Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Katie McGregor-Bennett, your host of AV Trade Talk. Today, we're talking with Dennis Erskine of Erskine Group and Kevin Main of Taurus Power. We're going to talk about the newly completed CDA HQ Reference Theater. You've probably heard about it in various news stories that have been running around uh, the trade mags lately. This theater has been coined the best-sounding demo room in the world. We're going to talk with Dennis and Kevin about how that project came together and some of the important factors that went into it, and uh, here to provide you a little bit of education and inspiration to go along with it. So thanks for joining us today for another episode of AB Trade Talk. Today I'm speaking with Dennis Erskine, Kevin Main. Guys, how are you doing? Excellent. How are you, Katie? Good, good. Great to have you on. Having a great time with the snow outside. Thank you. <laughs> you know, here too. Here too. It's uh, it's we're recording the show. It's uh, two days before Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we woke up yesterday to six inches of snow. Uh, how about you, Dennis? Same thing. Um, I referred to it as several inches of partly cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> So you always learn new terms when Dennis Erskine is on, is, is on a show, and uh, there you go. Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it just something that in Canada, here where I'm sitting, it's going to be about 85 degrees today? Mm, there are things I want to say to you right now, Kevin, but <laughs> I, I enjoy that. En- enjoy your sunny, warm, lovely Memorial Day weekend while we're digging out of snow and mud here. It's okay. Won't hold it against you. Might just come and visit. <laughs> But if we were, we'd have to drive right through Indianapolis or Fishers, which is where the CDAHQ is located. How's that for a segue? Um, and where the project that we're talking about today is is, uh, is residing now. So without further ado, um, Dennis, Mr. Erskine, uh, talk to us a little bit, if you would, about, sorry, give us a little bit of the backstory on the CDAHQ Reference Theater and how did the project sort of come come together from the initial design stages and what were what were some of the challenges with the project that you knew you'd have to overcome as, as you got into the development of it? Well, it all started when the building design in the Experience Center uh, was designed with a home theater, if you will, in, in the room or in, within the uh, headquarters. And... Um, I and a couple of others submitted um, proposals to actually build and facilitate this this room. And one of the one of the criteria was it had to be outstanding. In other words, it had to represent the best that a CDA member could deliver. Uh, I think for me, the scariest thing was. Had my company name been Acme Home Theater, that's another thing. But since my name was on it, it was kind of scary to uh, uh, be sure we got everything just exactly right. But some of the challenges, frankly, other than uh, that level of performance, was it was in a commercial building. And that put additional requirements on it. And in, in most cases, in a residential case, we say, we don't care if we wake the baby. We just don't want to hear the baby crying. I love that um, line. I love that line. <laughs> and the, the situation is, is getting that level of sound isolation is incredibly expensive and very anal. I mean, a quarter inch gap someplace just ruins everything. And so we had to be cognizant of the fact that we could not disturb adjacent offices or the offices on the floor above while paying this thing at reference levels of upwards of 120 dB. 
And the general criteria for a good sound isolation is you do not raise the noise floor of an adjacent room by more than 3 dB. So if that adjacent room has a noise floor of 35, you can't raise it more than 38 dB. And so we have to bring the sound levels down from 120 down to 38. And uh, so the design had to incorporate that. And also then we had to be cognizant of the fact that now that we had a concrete encased scarfagus, that we didn't have the um, ability to calculate that certain low frequencies wouldn't be harmful in the room because they were passing through the wall. So our entire acoustic treatment situation had to be um, carefully anal analyzed and reviewed. And then obviously it was the size of the room and ADA requirements and some clown somewhere wrote a requirement that said you had to have an exit light and that exit light was going to shine directly on the screen. Oh, no. So there were things like that that had to be, had to be uh, dealt with aside from just the quality of the sound in the room. And in the room itself, we have to achieve a noise floor below 22 dB. And the reason for that is the softest sound recorded on the soundtrack is 22 dB. And so if the noise floor is above that, you have to raise the volume to hear the whisper. And if you raise the volume to hear the whisper, you're also raising the volume on the train wreck. It acerbates the problem of isolation of sound leaving the space. So that was, that was particularly a challenge. The other challenge is a commercial building. It has 480 volts coming in, not 240 like a normal residence. It has um, motor loads all over. It has elevators. It has multiple air conditioners. Um, and those motor loads and various dimmers can inject hum and all kinds of nastiness into the power. And if the power isn't right, then everything else falls apart. You have to understand, everything in that room is connected to a power source. And uh, that's the only single item that a room like this is where everything goes to. And so um, we had to reach out to, uh, to Taurus Power and explain what our situation was. Uh, it wasn't a off-the-shelf product, particularly when we say 480 volts, and by the way, we're going to have to have 250 amp legs, and we're going to be drawing so much power. And uh, their, uh, their engineers, somehow or another, didn't think that was a tough problem for them to solve. And as it turns out, we have the cleanest power in the state. They're in Indianapolis, in Indiana, or where the facility well, is located, right? Well, wherever you go. Wherever you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's very clean. And the other thing is, is we have some uh, some serious electronics driving this theater. And one of the interesting things about electronics is they don't like SAGs. 
that's what causes them to blow. And so clean power not only becomes essential in terms of isolating this from outside hum and buzz and ground loops and so forth, uh, it puts everything on a common ground and uh, it it's not a battery backup system, but it does an awful lot to save the equipment from momentary power sacks and brownouts. Okay. okay. Now, how much of how much of that uh, is some of the considerations? So the 480 coming in and needing to step that down, and, and all of the other considerations. That very much a commercial environment consideration for our listeners who work in both commercial and residential spaces. And kind of before we dive down further into the project itself, what are some of the the recommendations that you would make for um, those who are bringing residential? products into a commercial environment, um, you know, maybe just a couple of, of checklist items just to, to make sure that they've got their bases covered? Well, the, the biggest checklist item uh, in terms of uh, commercial is that, um, two is everything has to be in conduit. And the other thing is, is that the power that you find in a commercial building is nowhere near as, I'm going to say this differently, is dirtier than the dirty power you get into a home. And so, your equipment has to be powered in such a way to isolate it from all of those uh, anomalies and problems. Um, an example is we had a customer in Houston. No, excuse me, outside of Dallas. And for over a year was fighting a hum in his speakers. He had the electrician out multiple times. He had this and that. He had us trying to trace it down. And after a year of fighting this whole problem, he said, okay, I give in. Um, put in the Taurus power unit. And we did. And the buzz and hum went away. Yeah. yeah. So that definitely illustrates the importance that singular products or technologies can have in, in sort of the, the scope of the entire project. Um, and that, that's, that's, that's really an interesting Well, point. the other thing, the other point here is, is that when everything's on that unit, all the power has a common ground. And so ground potential isn't going to be different. And a lot of the cause for buzz and hum is different ground potentials on different electrical leads. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it definitely benefits and, and strong considerations, considerations there. And clearly things that went into, into this project with it being a commercial building and residential products coming in. So talk to me a little bit. Um, I guess let's, let's pause here a little bit on sort of that foundation part. Um, so this is a theater that is, how many, how big is it? How many seats? Oh, is square footage on this baby? Uh, I don't recall. I'll have to look at the full <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, the nine seat it, theater, right? Yeah, people looking at uh, the theater will notice that on the front row, on on the far end, there's a gap. There's no chair where there ought to be a chair. That's another commercial building requirement to have an ADA uh, compliant room. So we had to have a, r a space there for a wheelchair. Okay. Right. That explains the gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so I've been, for those of you listening, I've been in this room. I uh, was there for the CEDIA um, grand opening event at the end of March when they um, christened, christened the building and invited the industry to come in and take a look at it. They did walking tours through not only the ground floor experience center training facility, which is amazing, um, manufacturers 
FYI, you are welcome to use the facilities. You just need to get in touch with Cedia um, to acquire about uh, timing and availability. But beautiful facilities on the first floor, which includes a full experience center, kitchen, bath, bedroom technologies, um, uh, emerging technologies established ones as well. And then also this full reference HQ theater, which is stunning. Um, it's, it's funny. It's, it's very, um, you know, take this the wrong way, but it's very simple. But it's it. I love the simplicity of it because it literally is a space. It's you know it's 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 dark. It's it, there's no artwork on it. You walk in and it you close the door, four hundred pound door, concrete core. I'm going to have you talk about that because it's an awesome door and I want one. But by the time you leave that door closed, what you are left with in that room is is just this really strong sense of sort of being in a space. It's not that you can hear yourself breathe. It's not that you can hear your heartbeat. It doesn't quite go down to that. At least for me, it didn't go to that level but it really immediately put me into the space where I wanted something on the screen and I just wanted to sit down and hang out there for hours. And granted at the time, you know, there was a lot going on and there was no chance that I could have done that, but the immediate emotional reaction that I had to that and sort of what it did to my, to my mentality at the time, it really, you know, it just sort of brought me down to, to a bit of a, of a neutral and I just wanted to sit and watch a movie so bad, <laughs> but it really is, it's an amazing space. And, and, and so, you know, without distracting too far from the conversation with that, in mind now slinging back to you Dennis and Kevin will bring you into this as, as well but talk to us about you know the other product considerations and things that you needed to, to design and develop in order for it to have that experience and that impact on people that enter, entered and, and have the opportunity to enjoy time in it. Well yeah to, to start out to be referenced in this day and age we had to be able to support all the new um, sound formats uh, Atmos, DTSX, uh, RO3D, as well as some of the other formats. That also requires additional speakers, not only in the ceiling, but along the walls and so forth and other, and to achieve this three-dimensional, totally immersive sound field. Um, and so that immediately said there's only one place on planet Earth where we can get that, and that's Trenov. And, and Trenov graciously donated um, a 32-channel uh, processor for us. The other consideration was we had to have speakers that were accurate, reliable, didn't break in the middle of something, and we reached out to uh, Procella, and they donated to Cedia uh, all the speakers for this room. And the other thing that was kind of a feather in my cap, I guess, is I submitted the basic plans to Procella and Trenov for their input and comment about speaker positions and types of speakers selected. They came back and said, nope, no changes. Um, so A, that made my job early and I did a little B um, that we'd gotten it right. Um, and the other thing is that Oftentimes, people judge the quality of a speaker by its loudness, but they never judge the quality of a speaker when it is playing softly, and Priscilla does that very, very well, so very subtle um, sounds are accurately reproduced, uh, and the immersion is stunning. Uh, when you do that correctly. Uh, the other thing we did is we, uh, which is something we do typically, and that is we 
um, utilize a QSC QSIS system for final calibration. Um, well, the Trenov is is fabulous in a lot of the stuff it does. The QSIS system gives us the ability to do some things that we can't do in the Trenov. The level of granularity to which we can calibrate the room uh, specifically. Um, the other thing is that um, we use a multiple microphone setup so that we can calibrate the low frequencies so that we don't have seat to seat variation at the low end and using multiple subwoofers to do that. And the QSIS also allows us to store profiles. So we have the default profile, which is the way we left the calibration. We also store that profile in another location. So now we can use that room as a training room. We can allow students to come in, try to calibrate the room or practice calibrating the room. They can listen to what they've done. We can switch the profile to the baseline and they can hear the differences and they can see the differences. And so from the aspect of providing advanced calibration training, it's, it's a perfect solution. That is really cool. I suspect too, and correct, definitely correct me if I'm wrong on that, but because the space is used, not necessarily by the general public, but it isn't as though there's you know, a, a person there manning the room anytime anybody is using it, other individuals are coming and going, trainers with students, that sort of thing. So I suspect that being able to save those um, those parameters also is a bit of a safety safety net too. So in case somebody comes in and, and happens to tweak some of the, of the mechani- mechanisms in the room, um, that you can always roll it back to what the reference standard was, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. And because we can do it in real time, we don't have to shut down the system and reload a profile. Since we can switch between profiles in real time, it's much easier for somebody to hear the difference between what they've done and what the baseline was. And so that's a real training experience. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. And so for listeners here, a couple of kind of takeaways um, is that this has been done, but that going back to what I said earlier about this is a facility that you have access to. So manufacturers and integrators, as you're going for training or if you were providing training at the CEDIA um, headquarters in Fishers, Indiana, just remember that this space is, is available. And it's not only just the, the training space, desks, chairs, whiteboard projector, but it's also this reference theater that you can utilize as, as well. Um, so, and it, you know, CEDIA wants that to be known as, as a space that's available to the, to the community, to its members. So, um, cool. Hey, Kevin, or, uh, Dennis, thank you for, for kind of, bringing that up. I want to, I want to pull Kevin in a little bit here. Um, Kevin made it for us power. Um, talk a little bit about the relationship. So as you, as you were putting the different products together and we'll come back to the products we got, um, definitely want to hear more about, um, the other electronics and, and seating and acoustics as well. But, um, talk to me a little bit about how Taurus power got involved and, um, where in the sort of how you guys connected, um, and brought those products in. And then from there, we'll go, we'll go back in and, and kind of break down the rest of the theater too. Sure, Katie. Uh, so, well, when we initially got the call from from Dennis regarding the theater, um, you know, we were intrigued with with the uh, the idea of of helping put together this this uh, reference theater in the new building, which would be a commercial footprint. Um, and through some of our discussions, you know, we identified a couple of challenges that needed to be overcome. Uh, one that Dennis had mentioned earlier about the uh, the power coming into the building at, at 480 volts. 
Um, and then, you know, kind of turning that commercial power into a residential high performance uh, cinema um, and making sure that uh, the commercial environment, uh, specifically the electrical environment, wasn't having any impact on the performance of the theater. Um, and, and that was the task that we kind of took away. And, and very quickly with the engineering team, uh, we were able to assess that uh, we, we could uh, uh, engineer uh, a transformer that would uh, isolate the, all of the electrical components in the system from all of the other motor loads and, and you know, dirty, noisy things that were going on in the building uh, and adjacent buildings, uh, which would have an impact as well. Um, and deliver to Dennis a, a product that, that he could use as the platform to, to make the, uh, the theater perform the way that it has. Um, it, it really, uh, for us, was, uh, was something that, you know, we've, uh, we've done before. We've done some 480-volt uh, uh, environments before, um, so we've had a little bit of experience with designing and, and uh, engineering this type of a solution. Uh, but it is something that we offer to uh, all, of our, uh, all of our dealers or, or all of our home technology specialists who are, who are designing and building theaters like this uh, as a service for them to be able to, uh, to provide the right spec and, and the, right, uh, the right solution for their cl- customers and their clientele. Um, so, so it was part of uh, kind of part of what we do, but uh, still uh, exciting and intriguing to be a part of it. And um, you know, I did get a chance to uh, to also listen to the theater and spend some time uh, when we were in uh, Fishers recently. And the thing that struck me was a couple of things that Dennis has mentioned earlier in the conversation that that really struck me when I had a chance to enjoy the the theater was. Um, First of all, just how quiet the, the room is. Um, you know, you, you tend to think of, of the quietness of a room and things that you don't hear. Uh, but what struck me was you actually felt how quiet the room was. It, it was a feeling that, that was, you know, kind of surrounding your entire body. When you close that 300-pound uh, concrete core door to the theater, the whole theater just kind of dropped in the noise floor. Um, and it, it was something you heard, but something you felt. And, and that was, uh, you know, I, th- I thought that was fabulous. And, uh, you know, as somebody who is a, an enthusiast in, in this business and with theaters, and I've certainly had the opportunity over, over my years in the industry to, to enjoy and listen to a lot of different theaters, this one really stood out uh, as just how quiet it was. And, and also, uh, Dennis had mentioned earlier about uh, you know, how you would judge the quality of a loudspeaker through the volume. Um, what, what tends to be lost in that a little bit is when, when volume is the main, the main goal in a, in, a, in a cinema, the cinema tends to be fatiguing. It, it tends to be something that you have a difficult time enjoying over a longer period of time uh, because you tend to get that, that pain in your head from, from the the volume, the noise level of the loudspeakers. And, and that was definitely not present here. It was immediately you could tell that, well, this was designed to be a quiet room with a high-performance uh, theater that had just a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, 
level of, of differences between the, the high volumes and the low volumes. And you could really hear the quality of, of people speaking, the dialogue, um, you know, the, uh, all of the, the discrete low volume sounds within the theater. And, and uh, you know, kudos to you, Dennis. I think you did a fabulous job here. Thank you. Yeah, and that it, I think that 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 you could feel how quiet it was, and it's it's weird to, to it's hard to articulate it any more than than just simply to, to put it that way. But and I think that was also that's the trigger point to to really get engaged with whatever's going on in the, with the room. And so it's you know from the minute you step into it and the door is closed, you're already immersed. And so you know, I can only imagine sort of then when you sit down and, and content starts firing up of that immersion is is you know just tenfold. So, um, so Dennis, so pulling you, pulling you back in now. So it's now there's the relationship with Taurus and the association with sort of that the power foundation and the noise floor and the experience in the room. Um, pick up if you would from from there and talk to us a little bit about some of the other electronics, um, seating, acoustics, and uh, sort of the importance that they play too. Yeah, I want to um, get into that, but uh, both you and Kevin have brought up a couple of interesting points. Many people put in home theaters and they all spend a lot of money, a lot of money being relative to their budget and means and desires. And most of them fall into disuse where they're no longer used. And there are three primary reasons for that. Reason number one is that the rooms are hot and stuffy. Trying to tell a an HVAC contractor that you have eight people in the room, and that means you need 4,000 BTUs an hour of cooling in the winter. They just don't get it. Um, and since the room is airtight, you also have to get fresh air into the room. So there's a little pushback on that. And once the room becomes hot and stuffy, it falls into disuse because it's not comfortable. The other primary complaint is they're too loud. Now, Papa may like it being too loud, but Mama doesn't like it too loud. Um, and one of the problems with too loud uh, is dialogue intelligibility. It kind of disappears when people are yelling at you. Um, the, the noise floor in a typical quiet home is between 35 and 38 dB. That's a factor of six to eight times louder than the softest sound on a soundtrack. So you turn up the volume so you can hear the whispers, the leaves rustling, and so forth, and that's okay for the whisper. But also understand that the train wreck is now also six to eight times louder. Normal voice on the screen is six to eight times louder, so people are yelling at you. Um, and when dialogue intelligibility goes away, it's no longer fun to be in there. And the interesting thing is, is while men tend to like the train wrecks, the explosions, and the chest compressions, women want to be fully absorbed into the movie, into the emotion of the movie. And you can't do that when you can't understand the low-volume dialogue and it's too loud. And the thing is that I'm sure all married men have experienced from time to time is when mama walks out of the room, you're out mowing the lawn, trimming the, the hedge and cleaning out the basement. So they fall into disuse. And so that's why that noise floor becomes very important inside a room. Um, but on to the... Uh, some of the other equipment in the room. Um, the projector in the room is a Barky Loco uh, Loki 
Barco Loki. Barky Loki. Barky Loco. Barco Loco. Oh, Barco Loco. Yeah. Sorry, Barco. We've just come up with a new product line. You're going to need to reach out to Dennis for the specs, but it's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. The the Loki projector um, uses a cinemascope aspect chip. So, in other words, that chip is 237 to 1. So, that is basically cinemascope format. So, you don't have to use an anamorphic lens or some silly zooming process that destroys the picture anyway um, to show movies on a 235 to 1 screen. Um, but the other interesting thing is um, I've heard some people complain that the Barco doesn't have the contrast ratio that they would like to have. And the problem with that is they're used to watching a flat screen TV. And those items that are produced for television produce, as John Bishop says, oil slick black. But movies never have oil slick black. They don't want it. It's not there. They have no reason for it. It's gone. And so... What Barco has done is they're doing a very, very accurate representation of DCI color, gamut, and contrast ratio. And bear in mind that uh, reference is 140 to 1 in room ANSI. That is a real challenge to reach. <laughs> That's a problem. So um, the video quality is absolutely stunning in that room because of that projector. Um, the All the acoustic treatments came from uh, Quest Acoustical Interiors, which is owned by Jerry LeMay, who is also the HAA guy who trains people on, on calibration. Um, he's basically our, our, our uh, exclusive supplier of acoustic treatments, largely because he has done some very innovative products that I haven't found anywhere else um, and is able to get four inches of performance out of a two-inch product. Um, and this is by actual measurement. And so basically not having to put four-inch stuff on the walls obviously gives us more rooms inside. And it's a very good product. You can hear that in that room. Um, but those are the main, the main things. Uh, Lutron um, provided Ketra lighting for the theater. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Ketra lighting, the color temperature of the lights is adjustable by fixture um, by the user. Uh, the other thing that is interesting about it is because there's an astronomical time clock the color temperature of those lights will change throughout the day to match the color temperature outside, if that's what you want it to do. So it's a very interesting addition that I have to spend some more time playing with. You know, I think lighting, for all of us, lighting is, is becoming one of the more uh, interesting categories. You know, and I think from the integration perspective, definitely as, a, as an offering, um, it's one of the, I, I think it's one of the greater opportunities that integrators have had in a long time to, to start working in other portions of the house um, and in so doing become a more important um, player in, in the role of, of the overall house's functions from a technology aspect. Um, but what Ketra's doing is 
killer killer so for those listening if you're not familiar with Ketra, it's k-e-t-r-a Ketra lighting look them up on the googs you'll find them um just the the whole notion of lighting and circadian lighting all of that is really fascinating um to get, get into it if you're not already sorry psa there um all right dennis so so what else oh geez the list is long <laughs> seating seating how about Seating. Well, the seating was uh, supplied by uh, Cinematech, um, and um, it's very nice seating. Very nice. Very comfortable. Um, it's reliable. Uh, manufactured in Germany, and um, we were very happy to have their their seating provided. Okay. And seating considerations. So more than just somewhere to park your body. Um, as a as a theater designer, what are some of the, the considerations for seating? And as you're selecting the suppliers, um, what are you looking for? I always assume it's you want a, something that's going to be durable, but also be comfortable for long periods of time. Well, exactly. I think, I think that um, I have some theater seating that's in my living room. I've had for 20 years. And the annoying factor is I want to replace it, but since it hasn't broken, I don't have an excuse. Um, the problem with with most theater seating is that they make it comfortable to sit in for the five minutes you're comparing seats. But you have to understand that in a home theater, your average butt in seat time is two hours. And so that takes an entirely different ergonomic design as well as um, the firmness or lack of firmness um, as well as things such as reclining and so forth. So that becomes very important. The other thing is that there tends to be from time to time price resistance for those seats. And the real issue there is if I'm spending that kind of money on a seat, well, I have it 20 years from now. And one of the things that begins to happen in a lot of the more inexpensive seats is the seat pan becomes, starts to sag. And now you're being sucked into the seat as opposed to being comfortable in the seat. And so um, Cinematech is a quality product, and we don't have those problems. They'll probably be in the, uh, the room longer than any of us are still around. But... Um, uh, and, and the other thing is motors. I, I hate motors and seats that make a lot of noise. Okay. And okay. of course, there's the Stewart screen up front. That, that, yeah, uh, yeah. We should probably put, talk about the the thing that actually makes the, the, the visual happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a that's a fairly complex system as well, if I recall. It's not a four way masking system. Is this a vistascope? Uh, it's a vistascope. It's side masking. Um, we didn't have a requirement to do. Um, top and bottom masking. So we can mask down to four by three if we have to. Um, and the masks are infinitely adjustable in terms of, of how you can set them up. Uh, they're acoustically transparent masking, so we don't have to calibrate for masking open, masking closed, and change profiles for that. Um, it's also an exceptionally high quality product. Um, Stewart's the only manufacturer that manufactures their own vinyl. Um, and that gives them complete quality control. The other issue here that we have with screens these days is to get the full advantage of HDR. 
we're no longer talking about 20 to 25 foot lambers off the screen. We're talking about 35 to 40. And when you get into a small room and you put 35 to 40 foot lambers on a screen, the whole room becomes light. And when that happens, light is reflected off the walls back to the screen, which reduces not only your color saturation, but your contrast ratio and can uh, adversely impact um, colors. And the only way to eliminate that is to get an auditorium-sized theater in your home, or you have to use a screen that has uh, ambient light rejection coatings on it. So it helps that the light that's not coming directly perpendicular to the screen is rejected by the screen. So you don't have those effects. And the thing that a lot of people forget is that a woven screen cannot have coatings on it. Because if you were to coat it after it was woven, all those little holes between the fabric would be plugged. And if you tried to put a uh, ambient light rejection coating on a thread and then weave it, it's not going to be ambient light rejecting. So uh, we're back into the world where uh, if you really want a true accurate video experience and HDR and DCI, you're going to have to use a, a coated screen. All right, all right. Can I, can I just mention one thing uh, here in this discussion that, um, you know, all of these, these different uh, considerations that, that have been made by Dennis and his team in building the, the theater, um, to me, the, the, way, the way that I, I see these things or the way that I judge these things is if you actually don't notice any of them when you're enjoying the theater. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, if you don't notice any flaws in the video or any flaws in the color fidelity, if you don't notice um, any um, disparity with, with the acoustic treatment or the way the acoustics set up in the room, if you don't notice that the chairs are not comfortable, um, if you're not noticing any fatigue when you're listening to the theater because the, the loudness and the softness are at the right levels, um, to me the goal is always to make these things completely transparent and not noticeable. And, and that was um, immediately evident with this theater that all of the different points were right on, right on point. Um, everything was done perfectly. And all of those things faded into the background. So what you were left with was just enjoying the experience. Well, that's a good point. There's, uh, I'm sure we've all heard the term golden ears. And I hear it from time to time when, when a prospective client will say, well, I don't have golden ears. I don't need that. Um, I don't have golden eyes. I don't need that. The thing that we're forgetting is that as human beings, we experience sound every single day. Talking to somebody face to face, we know what that's supposed to sound like. When we're walking on a street outside, we know what that's supposed to sound like. And so what happens is you get into an environment where that sound doesn't match our experience as human beings or that picture doesn't match our experience as human beings. You're suddenly taken out of the experience. You're not there anymore. Um, 
you're you're looking at the world through a picture window instead of stepping out on the porch and participating. And so that's why these things become really important. Yeah, yeah that that that's so true. And and I hear I hear that every day that I don't need to make the investment in higher performance because it's not important to me. But then at the same time, when you show those people, uh, the disbelievers or the naysayers, what the difference really is, then they tend to uh, enjoy it and grasp it and and want to be part of that. I mean, I, you know, even down to, uh, you know, doing listening with my wife and when we've tried to A and B different products and, and talk about, you know, what the differences are and if she can hear the differences in, in things because she has an interest in, in what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, early on it was always, well, that stuff doesn't really matter. It's not important. And, and uh, you know, today she's, a, she's very critical of, of different environments that we get into when something's not right with the sound or, you know, something is, uh, is putting you off in the environment because of the way that the whole audio system or audio and video system were, were put together. Um, you know, we were at an event on Friday night together and it was a wedding and there was a DJ and a sound system uh, inside the, uh, it was an outdoor tent and uh, there was a wedding sound system and everything set up. And, and it was, it was too loud to, to speak to the person that, that was beside you. Uh, but it wasn't because the the um, it wasn't because of the the volume of music was was so loud. It was because the frequency of the music was the wrong frequency, and it it really uh, it really made it to be an unenjoyable time trying to listen to the music, talk to somebody, and and it really it really uh, it didn't work. It didn't work right because there hadn't been the right care taken to put the products together properly, and and the system together properly. So. So we even see that, that, you know, when things are done wrong, you notice it and, and it's, it's unpleasant. It's uh, and it, I think it, it speaks to what you were talking about, Dennis, with people that, that stop using a theater after they've made the investment because of, of things that have been done incorrectly. Um, you know, these things are important. All of these things are important and they need to be done correctly to, to have the full enjoyment. Yeah. Now I, I want to take a moment for the wedding party who was providing that space. Uh, no offense meant for you for the uh, dissatisfaction that Kevin was suggesting about the music provided there in the tent, but these things happen when you've got audio enthusiasts in, in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the wedding was lovely and may you have a long, happy life together. Um, Kevin will work with you on your audio performance uh, and down, down the road. So um, anyways, it, it, you're right. You're right. And I, and, and I think that that's one of the things, whether you're in the industry or, or not, but it, you know, if you appreciate the sound of, <laughs> sound of music, you appreciate the sound of music or, you know, in, enjoy music concerts, you know, just live music or, you know, music in your world. If it's not right, even your favorite song can be the worst thing to listen to. And, you know, I think we've, we've all kind of experienced that, I, you know, way back when the, when the iPod first came out, we were all just like, oh, my God, that's the worst sound ever. Sorry, yeah. Apple. But we did have that reaction that happened. Um, you know, and so it, it's funny. It's once you've listened to a really good system and, and had some time to sort of immerse in it, you really do start to, to hear the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in, my, in my life, that's been as true with people who really aren't in the industry, don't have appreciation for technology or early audio quality, but bring them into a room 
spectacular speakers and all of a sudden it's kind of a different, <laughs> different conversation. Um, so, you know, and, and I love that. That's, that's kind of one of the things I love about technology, honestly. Is, you know, if you want to, if you want to experience a really, really, really good system, step outside. <laughs> that's, that's what we live in. And so we have to match that. Yeah. 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 It's a good, 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 good point. So, uh, Kevin, I want to uh, pull pull you back in a little bit here. Well, uh, I think we've kind of got we've gotten through most of the system here. But for those of you, if you happen to go to CDHQ either for training or or for whatever other purpose, definitely take a tour through that first floor. Um, as take and listen, experience the theater, but also go and spend a little bit of time in the equipment room, which. Um, as a bit of a gearhead, I have to say it's just it's been beautifully trimmed. It's a it's a gorgeous equipment room, nicely done, Dennis. Um, but it's also it's a bit of a showcase as well. You know, it's fully enclosed in, in glass. It's separate from the theater as it should be as part of a best practice. Um, but that is also where the tourist unit it, it resides. Um, and what I was really taken back was you know there's there's the all-in-one tourist unit and it's huge. You know, it's taller than a taller than your average man, um, probably about as wide as your average man. Um, and it's massive and it's just sitting there on its own. And then everything else is in the rack. Um, talk a little bit about that, that relationship in the, and the equipment room and just sort of best practice kind of, uh, conversation there a little bit for listeners, if you would, and take us home. Me? Yeah, you. (laughs) Well, my question is, is the LED lights in the uh, Taurus panel now standard equipment? Um, (laughs) Kevin? I I was was actually going to reach out to you about our our upcoming show in September to see if we could get that uh, that same light light treatment in the the unit we're going to be showing there. Sure, sure, we can do that. It looks Uh, great. uh, And and, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, what what Dennis is talking about is uh, the front panel of the the Taurus Power All in One, which is the unit that was installed was an all in, uh, custom built All in One panel. Um, and Dennis removed the front panel and and did a light treatment inside that illuminates all the wiring uh, inside the panel, and it, it just makes it look so cool. And uh, you know, of course, I, I came out of that um, that visit with, uh, oh, okay, we need to do this for Cedia in September. <laughs> <Light is up. laughs> so, so we need to get a, uh, a plexi panel for the front of this thing to replace the front panel and get it all lit up inside so we can see all the all the cool copper inside and, and all the fancy wiring. So, yeah. Yeah. so that's on my to-do list for Cedia this year, thanks, thanks to Dennis. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, Definitely makes it makes it pretty cool looking. It does, and you know what was what was cool about it. You know, and again, you know, we're all, all of us here are earheads to a degree. But you know, I think even those who who don't necessarily appreciate a monstrous electrical thing in your space, when you put LED lighting behind it, all of a sudden that thing sort of becomes sort of artwork. And you know, what was really interesting is the difference of the color um, really made a difference. So so red is pretty sexy and it's a favorite color of mine, and you know, it, it really popped blue was pretty cool but it, the white it really brought out all of the contrast on the cabling and the copper and everything and, and that was the one where it's like this is this is awesome and i you know i could appreciate this being in a space so so ladies um listening in there there definitely can be a beautiful way of presenting um gear and especially uh, some of the more um functional or electrical panel looking ones too can can really be brought to life with the use of led lighting which of course can be integrated into your automation system so you can have that be a more of a cohesive design throughout the throughout the space so um worry not there is there is a way to make these things be as beautiful as as uh, as we all think they are those of us who, who just love gear 
<laughs> and, the, and the look of a giant transformer on the wall. Well, see, those, those lights in that cabinet uh, are controlled by a DMX controller, so we can do two things. We can change the light color by how much current is being drawn, or we can go into a disco theme. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. We did not go into the disco mode. Kevin, we need to go back. <laughs> is, that, is, that the strobe, is that the strobe feature? We didn't get to that one. We did not get to that. Had we known, could have, yeah. that video shoot could have taken on completely Had I known you were standing outside looking at that thing, we would have strobed the white as blight as we could <laughs> and then shut everything down and make you really nervous. <laughs> oh, oh, I shut the whole thing. No, no, you don't want to give the poor man a heart attack. Then. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the whole of CDO as well when the facility goes dark. What? <laughs> yeah. When the building was being designed uh, in the Experience Center, um, I insisted that we have that room for the equipment racks and be glassed off so people could see um, the racks and the proper way to wire a rack and label the wires and so forth. And so that's that again is a demonstration to our members who are just entering the business and a demonstration to architects, interior designers, homeowners, and so forth, that if your racks aren't wired that way, you've, you've likely hired the wrong people. Um, and um, I do recall how we're being a little cheeky. Um, during the grand opening, somebody was saying, wow, those are really done well. I said, those are faux racks. The real racks are in the next room. This is just for show. <laughs> Which is, I got the I got the evil eye from Ian for that. But. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, Ian Bryant of, of CD looking she like Dennis. Oh, man. <laughs> There's that sense of humor again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, that's actually a pretty, a pretty cool story too. And I don't want to tell Ian's Ian's story, but he was an integrator um, originally and was brought on. Um, to now have a full-time position with CD. And so, um, talk, just Dennis, if you would just talk a little bit about his role, because he's now the man on site that sort of mm -hmm. manages, he's sort of the facility manager for, for this space, right? Yes, he is an extremely bright technician. Um, I don't think there's anything we can throw out at him short of nuclear physics that he wouldn't be able to resolve and figure out and solve. But he's been experienced in very large commercial as well as residential projects with all the vendors that are in the building and a lot of the engineering work in terms of video distribution and uh, conference call, conference systems in the boardroom and so forth. Um, he had a tremendous amount of input in seeing that that was done right. And uh, so an awful lot of how functional that office is and how non-intrusive all these smart home products are um a lot of the credit goes to uh, to ian for that you know dennis you mentioned uh you know smart home products in, in the building and and uh you know conference room and, and things like that but i for somebody who hasn't visited the facility i think it's hard to envision how much has gone into this facility there are um, huddle rooms throughout the the office space. There are uh, small conference rooms for for uh, individuals to use. There are large conference rooms for uh, for groups. There's training room. There's the uh, the large uh, conference room upstairs. Um, there's 
audio and video throughout the entire building and, and the entire office space, in addition to the, uh, the showcase space on the first floor. Um, so I, I think it's hard for somebody just to envision how much technology is actually in this building and how well integrated it all is. Uh, it really is something. Yeah, one of the things that uh, when you mention to somebody that's not familiar with what can be done uh, is I told somebody there that you can take any video source in the building and display it on any one or all video screens in the building. Yeah. Um, they're just, you can do what? <laughs> yeah. And, and how, do you have any idea how many screens are in the building? Uh, no, I ran out of fingers. <laughs> yeah. And toes, I and would toes. imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, see, a video screen also includes your PC. I mean, there'd be hundreds of screens throughout the building. Um, and to be able to do that, you know, to have that level of integration and capability is, is really, it's really something. And, uh, you know, what struck me with the building is, again, how seamless all of this is. It, you know, you're not... Um, you're not you're not hit on the head over the head by technology. It's just part of the the experience and the flow of the building. All of these capabilities are at your fingertips, but they're not intrusive in in the environment. And and the way that um, the way that the building's been designed for collaboration between people, um, it's it's really was outstanding uh, to be able to see that and. You know, I certainly walked away with all sorts of cool ideas that I thought we need to implement in our space. Um, and and it, it would just be on a very small scale compared to what's been done at the headquarters in Fishers. But um, that whole experience, the experience center, the office, the theater, everything was just done uh, right on. It was just, uh, the project was phenomenal. Well, one of my rules is if you need a user manual, it was designed incorrectly. Yeah. 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 I, I second that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so we were, we were there for the uh, grand opening. We were also there just to do some video work. And so we worked closely with, with Ian uh, the day after the grand opening event. And to, to your point, um, it was designed and integrated so well and so seamlessly that as somebody coming in from the outside, uh, you know, I talk about tech all day long. I work with manufacturers and integrators associations. I'm fully immersed in this space, but I am, I'm not tech, by any means, you know, put me in front of the restaurant panel, I'm probably going to be a little nervous. Um, I know what it's capable of, therefore I'm a little nervous. But, you know, as Ian was explaining, he's like, look, I'm going to be kind of upstairs. I'm around. Call me if you need me. But otherwise, here's what you do. Just push this button, this button. You can't break anything. Worst case scenario, just hit home. It'll go back and start all over. And it was like, got any questions? See you, bye. You know, and it was it was important. I mean, this is during a grand opening event. So the, the confidence that he had in sort of delivering that sort of, you know, do what you want. I've taught you the three very easy steps of making this room work and, and you know, do the things you want it to do. Don't be afraid. You can't break it. Just hit home. And uh, you know, I'm just a phone call away. That for me being on site was awesome. Translating that over to the end user experience. That's what an installer and integrator should bring to your life as well, which is I've come into your space. I've, I've heard what you wanted. I've delivered it. I I've commissioned it. I've taught you how to use it. I'm going to leave now and let you enjoy it, but I'm just a phone call away. Anything that you need, don't panic won't break it, just call me and we'll come back and make it right. And for the integration community to continue to deliver that message and for the consumer community to understand that there is this group of integrators, technology professionals who can create this environment in your home, 
they're not just going to leave you at the end of it. They're, they'll educate you and they'll mm -hmm. come back to help you as, as the process goes along. That's the kind of integrator that you want to work with. And there's a host of them out there. This, uh, the building that we're talking about uh, to, to kind of to bring it to a bit of a wrap is CEDIA. That's an organization. It's an acronym. It's the Custom Electronic Design and Installation Association. Of that, there's 3,700 plus members um, around the world who are technology integration professionals in the residential environment. Many of these individuals anymore, I think we're hearing about 29, 30% of those integrators are also working in commercial spaces. So much like this conversation today where we're in commercial space getting residential gear in, we have the CEDIA community of 3,700 plus strong who have the knowledge and the skill set to be able to do these types of projects and be there for you after the project is done and continue to support it and continue to help you grow with your technology in the home. Mm -hmm. So again, CEDIA, C-E-D-I-A, Custom Electronic Design and Installation Association, great place to go and look. Just go out to the Google, out to Sphere, wherever you, you search, um, and look for cedia.net. Take a look. You'll get a better understanding for what the organization does. Um, if you're in the market looking for an integration professional, they can help you. Um, and this is, is definitely an, a, an organization to know. If you're in a trade, an adjacent trade, as I like to call them, architects, designers, builders, specifiers, electricians, uh, be aware that the space is there in Fishers, Indiana, that it is available to you to see where technology is going and how it can be integrated into residential space, although in a commercial environment. Um, and CEDIA is definitely an organization for you to get to know as well. There's a big movement with the CEDIA community in connecting with architects, designers, builders, specifiers, and all of those adjacent trades to make sure that technology is incorporated into the residential environment cohesively and in a way that consumers can appreciate and enjoy that technology for, for the long term. So a little bit of a pitch there for CEDIA. Um, Dennis, I know you were involved with the organization for many years. Um, did I miss anything there or anything else that we should help to sort of educate and inspire the audience? Just just a couple of points. One of the um, mantras of CEDIA is life lived best at home. Well, where's home? And we've defined that as any place you and your family would spend the night. That could be a hotel room. It could be a yacht. It could be an airplane. It could be a cabin. That's home. So we sort of look at that as our, as our core. And one of the things that I think the building exemplifies is it's not a list of equipment. So what do you want to do? How do you want to use it? And then integrate that into the lifestyle or the mission of the building and so forth. And that's how those things become totally unobtrusive. Um, and one of the neatest things uh, was a video that was done for Cedia talking about this. In the very last scene, there's a young boy in bed his mom turns off the light, closes the door, and walks out. And he pulls up his iPad and pushes the monster check button, which right. turns on the lights underneath his bed. And that's not a list of equipment. It's what do you want to do? How do you want to use it? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 love, I love that, the, the, the monster scene. <laughs> so clever so so clever uh so kevin sling over sling over to you um yeah we've definitely uh, definitely unpacked and broken down this project quite a bit as well as um talked about sort of taurus power's role as as the power foundation of of the project but any other kind of closing thoughts or um anything you'd like to share with the audience yeah totally um uh for i mean first off i think um you know probably the uh the highest compliment that i could pay right now to dennis is is that Dennis, the work that you've done in the theater is completely transparent. It's disappeared. Uh, it's really not noticed because what you're noticing is the enjoyment uh, 
and and the theater itself and and uh that's a very very high compliment that that i would like to say in in what you've done here in in what's being called the best demo room in the world great job uh thank you so much for inviting us to be part of it um we've enjoyed uh our little piece of it and and um you know hope that this is something that that the integrators can make use of that uh uh, manufacturers can make use of certainly it's on our on our list of, of uh, venues that we're going to try to make use of moving forward as well because it's just it's really so nice well thank you kevin it's a, a project that couldn't have been done without your contributions and your experience and knowledge as well as uh, as the other vendors that have participated in this so it's not all me. It's it's a team effort. Yeah, it is. It is. But and and everybody's really come together to do a great effort here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's you know I think it's a, a kind of a perfect way to to wrap that up, which is you know, for me also, Dennis, to chime in and say you know, congratulations and um, and huge huge compliments to you. This it really is. I've been in other theaters that you have designed, and while those are equally those those are stunning to me. This one, there's there's something really unique and special about it, and I, you know, I think it's it's all of the components that we talked about individually to here, today. But you know, it's the sum of all those parts. Um, definitely something to be proud of, and again, I compliment, commend you and the team. Um, is there anybody that we missed in in here that we want to? Yeah, there's yeah. one real critical contributor to this, and that was Steve Kajala and his team uh, that did the construction of the room. Steve and his team does the construction on all of my rooms and the way we do it is we aren't going to get involved unless we start from the framing and build it all the way inwards so that we've got type of quality and experience the homeowner wants but Steve is amazing and that 400 pound door I did the design and engineering to get a get a door that would work for these rooms and um Steve makes those things, custom makes them for every room and for every home, and they are just stunning and amazing. Um, between you seeing see machines and paint booths, the work he produces is fabulous. The other thing is he does this day in and day out, so I don't have to tell him how to do it. <laughs> just goes in and gets done. But he's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, so I'm glad that I'm glad that we mentioned that, and you just reminded me that we didn't go back and talk about that door. So I think we're going to have to break down that door another day. <laughs> but it is amazing. You can't break that door, and there's even a question of whether or not my 50 cal will damage that door. Mm. You're gonna have to have to report back accordingly on that one, Dennis. And actually, can we come out and video that to see if a 50 cal? Well, that'll be fun. Dennis, an Erskine Group door. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other product line for you to, to offer, though, you know, those, those escape rooms or, uh, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, this is your host, Katie McGregor-Bennett of AV Trade Talk. I've been speaking today with Dennis Erskine of the Erskine Group and Kevin Main of Taurus Power. We were unpacking and breaking down the CDA HQ Reference Theater, a new project that was recently completed in Fishers, Indiana, at the CDA headquarters. Check it out if you haven't had a chance. Um, as we're winding down here, Dennis and Kevin, uh, Dennis, I'll start with you. Share with our audience how they can find uh, Erskine Group online, and if they wanted to reach out to you, uh, how would they do? And then Kevin, follow him in and bring us home. Uh, the website is erskine-group.com, and you can reach me 
by email to info at erskine-group.com. And uh, we are at uh, tauruspower.com, T-O-R-U-S, power.com. And uh, easy to find our contact information right on the website. Um, so please reach out. Uh, we're happy to provide uh, engineering and, and specification services for, uh, for projects. Uh, and uh, just let us know if we can be of help. And thanks, uh, thanks Katie, for, uh, for this today. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a, I'm a storyteller, but I also just love, I, I love hearing the stories behind the brands, behind the people and, you know, part of this, the residential AV community. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it was fun hearing this, Dennis. I've talked to you about this project a number of times, but, it, you know, even here today, there were a lot of details that I hadn't heard before. So, um, you know, the thanks goes right back to you guys for taking the time and, and sharing the story and really what, what went into it. Um, you know, it's, it's not often that I think that the integration community gets to to really kind of hear the, the, the background and the basis of these projects uh, directly, you know, from, from, from the voice of people like you, Dennis, and as well, Kevin. So thank you again. This was a great conversation. Uh, pick up with you guys again further down the road and talk a little bit more about power and integration and, and, uh, and you know, sort of the whole entertainment space. So thank you once again. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys soon. For my listeners, this has been another episode of AB Trade Talk. I'm your host, Katie McGregor-Bennett. We'll catch you on another episode soon. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>